while you're standing. I'm going to read one verse, and we'll pray and let you be seated. And then uh, we'll read a few more verses here in just a few moments. Ephesians chapter 5, and look down to verse number, down to verse number 17. Very simple verse, very self-explanatory, but oh, there's a lot of meat in here, and I pray that God will show us tonight what he'd have us to know, and I pray we'd take it home with us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 17. I'm going to read it through twice. The Bible says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now let's us pray and let's ask the Lord to give us what we need tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you for the power in this one verse that we just take, took the time to read. I pray that, Lord, we'll reflect upon it. I pray that, Father, we will be able to receive what you have for us and we'll act upon it during the invitation. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we seek to know your will, Lord, not only as individuals and for our families, but collectively as a church, that, Lord, we might accomplish your will in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When you think about what our theme is this year on Engage, uh, throughout the year, it will be defined and redefined and refined all throughout the year. I have mentioned so far that the word engaged means being involved and participating in and being active in the work, and those are definitely uh, examples of what the word engaged means, but if we really had to summarize what engaged means, it would simply boil down to this, finding the will of God, functioning in the will of God, and fulfilling the will of God. This is my prayer for our church in 2020, that we as individuals and then collectively as a church would find the will of God, that we would function in the will of God, and that ultimately we would fulfill the will of God. When you think about it tonight, God has something and some things, plural, for our church to accomplish in the new year. God has a to-do list, if you will. Uh, I'm very familiar with to-do lists. I probably would bet most of you husbands are uh, accustomed to them. You may not be good at them, but at least you know what they are. And my wife has found a very good way of helping keep it in front of me because she's taken my to-do list and she magnets it to the door that I walk out of every morning. Uh, she tried putting it on the refrigerator. I just learned to tune it out. And so now she puts it where when I go to unlatch the lock at the top of our door, I have to look at that to-do list. And isn't it wonderful to get to scratch things off that to-do list from time to time? It doesn't happen often, but I love being able to do it when I am able to do that. And I think about that tonight of how God has a to-do list for us individually. God has a will. If he tarries and allows you to live in the year 2020, he has a to-do list for you. He has a will that you are required and called to fulfill. And then as a church, we have a will of God that we are to find, we are to function in, and then we are to fulfill that we look back knowing we have done the will of God in the new year. Now, that's such a foreign concept anymore for a church that I almost think that it's something we look at as unattainable. But understand if God calls us to something, he not only is it attainable, but it is expected by God for us to fulfill what he's called us to do. And the way that we'll do that is very, very simple, where every person will find God's will for themselves, they will function in God's will for themselves, and then they will fulfill their will, and thus the church will fulfill its collective will of God for it in the new year. 
It's a lot like these college football players throughout the playoffs. You hear these coaches. I heard it from, uh, from LSU's coach. I heard it from Alabama's coach. I heard it from Clemson's coach. And when they interviewed the players, they asked them, they said, what is it going to take to win this game? And here's what, but so many of them said in a manner of speaking, they says, coach told us, just do your job. Just do your job. Uh, the running backs have got to do their job. The blockers have got to do their job. Uh, the receivers have got to do their job. And that's how the team would win collectively if all of the individuals just did their job. Now, if we're going to summarize the theme tonight, very simply, being engaged is finding and functioning and fulfilling the will of God. But here's the problem. Oftentimes, the biggest question, I'm going to say well over 50%, of the questions that I, that I try to answer and try to give direction on as a pastor, over 50% of them deal with people seeking the will of God for their life. Sadly, so often, I believe this. I believe with all of my heart. If I had to give a number, I would say five to one. Five to one, most Christians function based off of circumstance rather than the will of God. That the circumstances of their life, the circumstances of their day, of their family, of their job determines what we call the will of God. When truthfully for the child of God, the will of God should determine our circumstances. We find what God wants, we get about what God wants, and we let that determine what the circumstances around us are going to be. For instance, uh, when God called us to move down here, I didn't know all of the circumstances of the church. I don't know a lot of, didn't know a lot of the details of the church. I didn't really know all of the membership of the church. And I could have sat back and I said, look, I want to get to know everybody first. I want to find out uh, if there's any assassins in the church. You know, I want to find out if there's any division in the church. I want to find out if the church is bankrupt. I want to find out all of these circumstances, and then I'm going to decide whether or not it's the will of God that I come. Now, most of the time, that's how we decide the direction for our life. We find all of the circumstances, and when the circumstances say no, then we determine, well, that must be the will of God for our life. Can I tell you, if you allow circumstances to determine the will of God for your life, I dare say you're going to miss out on 50% or more of what God would have you to do, because circumstances sometimes can be scary. I want you to think about some people in the Bible, and uh, the message tonight will be very simple. I'll give you three things as usual, and we'll kind of try to cover as much of this as we can, but I want you to think about three people in particular. If he'd have gone by circumstances, Peter would have never walked on water. All right? The circumstances were not good. We say, what are the circumstances? No human had ever walked on the water before other than Christ. Well, that's kind of negative. You know, nobody's ever accomplished that before. There's a storm blowing. There's waves out there. Circumstances would have kept Peter off the water. Circumstances also would have kept David from going down to fight Goliath. Think about those circumstances. He's young. He's a youth, the Bible says. He's not been formally trained in war. As a matter of fact, he's been basically the babysitter of sheep, not really the training you need to go to battle, especially against the champion of an opposing army. And if David had allowed circumstances to determine his direction, David would have never gone down to face Goliath. On and on we go throughout Scripture. We see Moses. Moses, if he'd allowed circumstances, would have never gone into Egypt. Why? Because there was a death warrant out for him there. Moses, Moses had killed a man, and no, Moses was afraid to go back there. Now he wants him to go. God wants him to go and talk to Pharaoh. Oh, those are not very good circumstances. But Moses did not go according to circumstance. Moses sought out his direction based simply on the will of God. So think about this. Peter would have missed out on the opportunity had he let circumstances decide his direction. 
I want to tell you something. Individually in your life and collectively as a church, we will miss out on many of the wonderful opportunities that God will provide if we as a church allow circumstance to determine our direction. We should allow the will of God determine our direction. That way we can see God do something that only God could do. That's what Peter got to see. Think about David. David would have missed out on the great victory of defeating Goliath had David operated according to circumstances. I wonder in the new year, oh, and my heart flutters sometimes about the unknown. I wonder what victories await us in the new year. I'm so thankful for the people we've seen saved this year. A lot of people already say, but in fact, saw another person saved today here at the church. How exciting it is to see God working, to see God moving in people's hearts, God moving in people's lives. How many other victories does God have for us out there in 2020, but their victories are going to come when we defy circumstance to do the will of God? Oh, I believe they're very useful of them. I think about Moses. I wonder about the privilege that Moses had to go and lead God's people. But that privilege would come in the face of circumstance. So here's the message tonight. It's imperative we learn to live by the will of God in spite of circumstance. We've got to know it. We've got to know it. And now here's the good news. God wants us to know his will. The will of God is not this some elusive mystery that God hides from us. No, remember, he's our heavenly father. He's not going to hide his, my daughter comes to me and she's, she's not even here tonight. I'm pointing at her. She's not even here. She's with the other teenagers. I'll point at my wife. My daughter comes to me. She says, dad, what, what do you want me to do today? You know, I have a day off. What do you want to do? I say, well, could you do me a favor? Could you help mom out uh, in the living room for a few minutes? And she goes and helps mom out. I don't say, well, Miley, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to code this message from you and you're going to have to, I'm going to cut the message up into, and you're going to, no, I just tell her what I want. And she does what I ask her to do because I just make the will known to her. So tonight I believe God has a will. I know God has a will and God wants us to know his will. But we've got to be willing to do what it takes to find his will. And I believe verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 5 will at least point us in the right direction. So tonight we're going to look at this thought of God's way to God's will. Okay, God's way to God's will. And there's no way tonight that I can just sit down and preach a 30-something minute message and uh, you're automatically going to know what God wants you to do throughout the new year. But I believe verse 17 will help us get in pointing in the right direction, okay? So look back, if you would, to verse 17. The Bible says, wherefore, we'll look at that word here in in a moment, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of of the Lord is. Now notice, God wants us to know. He wants us to understand what his will. But notice at the beginning of verse 17, the Bible says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise. He desires that his children not be unwise concerning his will for them. Now, when you read this, there's a serious tone. It's almost as if in the beginning of verse number 17, God's warning his children. The apostle Paul preaches to the church at Ephesus. He's warning them. Not to be unwise concerning the will of God. So the first thing tonight I want to show you is the warning concerning God's will. There's a warning at the beginning of verse number 17 concerning God's will. And the warning is simply this. Be not unwise. Be not unwise. Here's what God's saying. God says you need to know. All right? If there's something that that you don't need to be unwise in, it's my will. There's a lot of things tonight you could afford to be unwise in. Uh, uh, there's some things that, uh, that maybe are not on the top of your priority list. Uh, a while back, I, I enjoyed eating sushi. 
Never thought I'd like this stuff, to be totally honest with you. And I tried sushi at a restaurant. I think my in-laws had kind of pointed me in that direction. And I really enjoyed that. And there's a sushi restaurant right down the road. And uh, how excited I was to find out you could just go get that anytime you want it. Well, $7 a roll, that takes a hit on the old paycheck after a while. So I thought to myself, I'm, I'm going to learn how to make sushi myself. And so I did what every man does. I went on YouTube, and I watched them make sushi on YouTube. Before long, this is no exaggeration, ask my wife. I had sushi rolls stacked like cordwood in my refrigerator. Man, you talking about living it up. I got to eat that stuff any time that I wanted. Now, here's what I did. Yeah, I wanted it bad enough that I took the time to go buy. I even got the little bamboo mat. Man, I can roll it up. And I even made it for a few people on special request. Don't ask me to do it. This church is much bigger than the last one, okay? So I can't have the time to fill sushi orders for everybody, okay? My office will be stinking like shrimp here before too terribly long. But here's what I want you to understand. I wanted to know how to do that so bad, I was willing to figure out how to learn it. I wanted to understand it. And God says there's some things that you can't afford not to understand or to be unwise in, and that's his will. Yet sadly, if there's one thing in the life of so many Christians today that we're unfamiliar with, it's the will of God. It's a foreign concept to us that God has a specific plan and blueprint for our life. And God says, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So often in our lives, the will of God is non-essential information. That's a term I use often. Um, I started it years ago. We were in, uh, in Monroe, and some of the tech guys at our church would come up to me and tell me about a technical problem we had in the system. And they're telling me about this wire and this connection and these gigs and, and, and migs and tigs and all of this stuff. Not, and that, that's not talking to that. And I said, whoop, whoop, whoop. Non-essential information. I don't need to know that. Matter of fact, about five seconds after I leave the conversation, it will be deleted. I only have so much available memory, okay? It's like our cell phones. Does your cell phone ever say, you know, your memory's full? Okay, mine is extremely limited, and I don't have room for all of that technical jargon. So I said, whoa, 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 there's no need to tell me that. I don't need to know that. It's non-essential information, okay? Now, oftentimes, we treat the will of God like non-essential information. You cannot afford to be unwise concerning the will of God. Why? Because the will of God is why you are still here. That's why God left us here after we got saved to fulfill his will. Now, why is that important? Because one day you will stand before the God of that will. And you will give an account for that will. And so it's important that you know that will. Look, you're not going to be required to know about all the migs and tigs and stuff of technology. You're not going to be required to know, unfortunately, how to make sushi. But you'll be required to give an account for the will of God. That's why you better heed the warning not to be unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. The sad, I'm going to tell you something. The sad state of the church in America is a direct reflection of the fact that the church is unwise concerning the will of God. The church in America today, and look, I'm thankful for our church, but I want you to know our church is very much an exception to the rule. Usually churches of this size have already lost their priority and their perspective. 
Churches of this size usually by now are very worldly wise. They're very trend wise. But they are unwise concerning the will of God. And we wonder why we're not effective. It's because we're unwise concerning the will of God. That's why our families are in trouble. We're wise to everything. We're wise to what's popular. We're wise to what, uh, what, what's in trend for our kids, and, and not only in electronics, but in what they wear. Uh, we're wise to the athletic programs and all of those things. But when it comes to the will of God, our homes are unwise. It's non-essential information to us. And we wonder why things are in the shape that they're in, because the will of God is not a priority. I see it in our kids. I listen to it when our kids talk. You can hear it. Whether or not the will of God, by the way, moms and dads, I hate to tell you, your kids will tell on you from time to time. You just listen to people talk long enough, you'll find out whether the will of God's a priority in their home. You'll find out. Years ago, my wife and I, when I was a youth pastor, we had all of our kids sit down in, in our class, and we're going to do this big parent night, and we, we asked the kids questions on camera, and we played it for the parents to watch. You talking about squirming. Oh, moms, no, we didn't ask any bad. We asked questions like, you know, can your mom cook? And how old is your dad? And, you know, what, you know, just some things along that line. But, you know, our lives really tell on us. What things that we are, that are priorities in our homes are things that we're wise to, things that we've made it a point to learn. And God says, look, there's a warning, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. So often our homes and our nation and our churches, look, they become victims of circumstance. We allow the circumstances to determine our direction rather than let the will of God determine our direction. So here's what's interesting. That word unwise is mentioned 11 times in the word of God. 11 times. 10 out of the 11 times, you look at the tense of the word, and the tense of the word is used as the word foolish. He's saying in verse number 17, don't be foolish when it comes to my will. Look, he's telling us, don't be foolish or don't be a fool when it comes to my will. And I want you to know tonight, the Bible has a lot of things to say about fools. Read through the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And the Bible has so many things to say about a fool. And so often, watch, the mentality of a fool is how we treat the will of God. I want to give you some examples. I want to give you three quick examples. Proverbs 18.2, I'll read it for you. You can write it down and read it when you get home. Proverbs 18, 2, the Bible says this, A fool hath no delight in understanding. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. So let's tie these two together. The Bible says, let's not be unwise. Don't be a fool when it comes to the will of God. Well, how does a fool think? The Bible says the fool hath no delight in understanding. You can see how foolish the church has become today. We don't care to understand the will of God. Look, our homes are foolish when our homes don't care to know the will of God. Look, we are foolish when we don't care to know the will of God. But why is it that the fool does not receive the understanding? It's the second part of that verse. But that his heart may discover itself. That his heart may discover itself. Now, what does that mean? It means the fool, his heart is so full of what he likes and what he wants in his way. That word discover means to uncover. Rather than receiving the understanding, his heart is ready to spew forth everything that he's got on the inside. And the reason God can't give us his will and God can't give us understanding is because we're preoccupied with ours. I don't know if you know this, 
But my, I'll tell you about me, maybe it's about you as well. The greatest enemy of the will of God in my life is my will in my life. And the reason we can't receive his will, Proverbs 18, 2, because we're too busy discovering ourselves and what we want in our direction. I hate to tell you, but so often this is going in the opposite direction of what God wants. What this wants is often not what God wants. Most of the time it's not what God wants. If our flesh wants it, there's a good chance it's not what God wants. If we're going to know the will of God, we've got to learn not to be preoccupied with what our heart desires of itself. This is where we have to get along with God. We've got to hear from God. The greatest rival in my life to what God wants is what I want. God oftentimes cannot get a word in edgewise. You ever talk to somebody like that? And don't laugh thinking about me, but you ever talk to somebody who you couldn't get a word in edgewise? <laughs> I do, look, I talk to a lot of preachers. We'll just leave it at that. And the conversations are one-sided. The preacher will call and say, hey, can we talk for a minute? I say, yeah, and I want to get your advice on something. Okay, no problem at all. I don't ever have a chance to give you my advice on it. Two hours later, my wife says, well, I says, well, I... Practice being a good listener. I think that's important, especially as a husband. Be a good listener. Amen? And so I got two hours worth of good listener practice. Look, the fool is the one who is always going about and saying and doing what he desires that his heart would discover itself. And there's no way for God to get his will in edgewise. Many years ago, I was uh, in Bible college. And uh, I was not married when I was in Bible college. And I was... um, Let's see, about 21, 22, and uh, all the other guys were already married. And they were always telling me, well, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? Well, you know, if it was up to me, I'd already been married. But, you know, there's this thing called the will of God that I was kind of waiting on. I was not smart enough to go out and pick one out. There's like three and a half billion women in the planet, and I didn't know that I could get the right one. I have trouble matching my socks. And so I said, I'm just going to let God bring them to me. Novel idea. I know. That's what Adam did. So I thought, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Just wait for God to bring me my wife. And lo and behold, it worked. But in between, I had to endure a lot of ridicule. When are you going to get a wife? I said, I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. Trust me. I'm praying about it. I want to be married. I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. And one of my good friends, one a really good friend, and I considered him a mentor and still do to this day, he says, every once in a while, I don't usually say the word shut up. I'm going to say it because that's what he said. He says, every once in a while, I need to shut up and listen. I thought, that's profound. I said, I'm praying about it. I'm telling God I need a wife. I'm telling God what I want. I'm telling God, look, I'm a youth pastor. I need a wife and all of this. And he says, sometimes you just need to shut up and listen. Very profound. The fool is constantly, what does the Bible say about the fool? He uttereth all his mind. We're constantly saying what I need and what I think I want. And God can't fit his will in edgewise. Be not, the Bible says, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And the best way is for us to put our will in neutral and let God put his will in drive. But you've got to be willing not to have the mind of a fool tonight. We keep reading. The Bible says, be ye not unwise. He says, be not foolish. I'll give you another one, Proverbs 22, verse number 3. The Bible says, a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. It's kind of like those potholes that we have around the roads around here. I'm learning the roads, and I'm learning where the bad potholes are. 
And I know where that pothole's at. I already go ahead and know to go ahead and get in the other lane, you know, if, if there's nobody coming. Or hit the ditch, you know, if nobody's coming. I know where the potholes are at, and I know to go around them. The Bible says that for that, I am a prudent man. Amen? It makes you feel good, doesn't it? But keep listening. The Bible says, but the simple pass on and are punished. The simple pass on, that's the foolish man. So how does the foolish man think? Well, the first thing about the foolish man think, he's preoccupied with his will. Never think, listen, do not think you're going to receive God's will for your life if you're preoccupied with your will. But the second thing we see about this foolish man is he's ignoring what he already knows. The Bible says that he foreseeth the evil, the prudent man does, and he hideth himself. But the simple man, or the foolish man, he passes on and is punished. Now, why is he punished? Why is the ending not what he desires? Because he ignored what he knew. The foolish man ignores what he knows. Now, we can pray for God's will all day long. But if you're ignoring what God has already said, don't expect God to give you what's next if you're not being obedient to what is now. I'm praying to hear from God. I'm praying to hear from God. Have you been obedient to what you've already heard from God? I'm just praying God shows you what he wants to do tomorrow. Hey, what about today? Today's not over yet. The Bible says that the foolish man's way of thinking is he ignores what he already knows and we can come down an altar and shed tears and beg God for his will and all of that's good in its place. But if we're not faithful to what we know, don't expect God to show us what's next. It's that being faithful over a few things. It's those little foxes that spoil the vine where we neglect the things that God has already made known. God says, don't be like the fool. Don't be unwise. You can't afford to skip it. You can't afford to pass it over. Hey, don't be foolish when it comes to my will. There's some things you can afford to be foolish on. Look, if, if you wait until 3,050 miles to get your oil changed, you're probably going to be all right. You know, once it rolls over 3,000 miles, you just pull over and change it right there on the side of the road. No, I, I've, even gone, I've even gone a few a few more miles than that over between changes. You can afford to skip over that sometimes. You can afford to skip over the pinch of salt uh, sometimes in your food. There's a lot of things you can afford to skip over the minor details, but don't be unwise concerning the will of God. Don't be foolish. Don't skip over what you already know. The only way Central Baptist Church will take the next step in the will of God for this place in the new year is to be faithful with the things that we already know. The Bible says that that prudent man, he foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. What is he doing? He's reacting to what he knows. He sees the evil and he hides him from himself. Kind of like some of you do in Walmart when you see me. Yeah, I saw that happen. No, not really. No, it hasn't happened here yet. It happened in Louisiana a whole lot. Our grocery store is a lot smaller. I'd walk into Mac's grocery store and you kind of see down there by the frozen foods and you think you see somebody and next thing you know, you see that car at the parking lot. What is it about me? I'm not a scary guy. Ask my wife and daughter. I'm a nice guy. I really am. For some reason, the, the whole aura of a preacher scares people. What are they doing? They foresee the evil and they're hiding themselves or vice versa. They're living in evil and they're hiding themselves. One or the other, but what are they doing? They're reacting to what they know. Now, folks, we cannot and we will not know the will of God if we're not acting upon what we already know. If you try to move forward without reacting on what you already know, it's foolish. It's foolish. I'll give you a very important one. 
Luke chapter 12 and verse number 20, verse 18, 19, and 20, we have the account of the rich man who desired to focus on building bigger and better, which is really the mindset so often in our world that we live in today. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse number 18, 19, and 20, he said, this will I do, I'll pull down my barns and build greater barns. I mean, things are going well, and he's being productive and getting a lot done. He says, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But verse 20 says this, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose things shall those things be which thou hast provided. We see the mindset of a fool here is one where God's will was not a priority. I'm not saying God's will was, uh, was not important, but it was obviously not a priority. He says, you're a fool. You're a fool if you're not prioritizing my will and things that are eternal. Now, when God tells us in verse number 17 not to be unwise concerning his will, let me tell you what unwise thinking or foolish thinking toward the will of God is, is when you do not make that a priority. God said, verse 20, God said, he says, thou fool. He says, you're a fool because you have not prioritized my will in eternal things. And folks, let me tell you, I've been foolish in my thinking before. Where I prioritize the here and now, I have the testimony of the second verse. Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy the here and now. But it's foolish. It's foolish. Why? Because there is an end and there is an eternity. There's been a lot, lot said this week uh, about the death of Kobe Bryant. Uh, as, a, as a teenager, I, we were, we're about the same age and uh, I loved basketball. I loved watching him play basketball, and he was, he was magnificent on the basketball court. I did not know him, and I'm not going to speak ill of him whatsoever. But he was probably worth in the billions of dollars or hundreds of millions at the very least. And not long after he, he died, I sent Brother AJ a, 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 um, a link to an article of where he had went to church that Sunday morning, just a few minutes before he got on the helicopter that would take him to eternity. And uh, the priest was given a comment, the church that he had went to, a Catholic church that he went to that morning, and was very relieved to say and to let everyone know that before he got on that helicopter, he took communion, putting all of his eggs in that basket. Now, I hope that he was saved. I really do. I hope he's in heaven. But I'll tell you, at the moment that that helicopter slammed into the side of that mountain, eternity became very real. And I hope that he's in heaven. I really do. But understand this. If he did not make a priority of the things of, life, of God in this life, his opportunity passed as soon as he drew his last breath. To have all of that money, to have all of that money and all of the fame and, and to be able to do all the wonderful things that he did in this life and yet not make a priority of the will of God is foolish. Now, folks, oftentimes we as Christians do the same thing. We get caught up in this life and to get much goods and to eat, drink, and be merry, and we forget that there is an eternity out there and that one day we'll stand before the God of that will and give an account for that will. That's why we better make it a priority of that will right now. He says, or else you're a fool. You're a fool. God says, thou fool, 
This night thy soul shall be required of thee. There's a reason Solomon, at the end of his life, Solomon had all of these things, and yet Solomon says, in the end, fear God and keep his commandments. Now, what led Solomon to say that? He says, let's hear the what? Conclusion of the matter. Can I tell you what will help us get our priorities on focusing on knowing the will of God is when we start thinking about the conclusion of the matter. Thinking that one day the matter of my life is going to conclude. And look, yes, you may be saved, but you're going to even account for the will of God that you got the day that you got saved until you drew your last breath. And there's no way out of that accountability. The conclusion. One day I will conclude this life and I'll give an account for being a husband to that lady right there. You see, God's got a will for me as a husband. One day, I'll give an account before God for his will for me being a dad to the daughter that I have. There's no getting out of it. Sometimes my wife will schedule me to a dentist appointment, and, oh, I don't like going to the dentist. The best part about it is when they give you that thing over your nose, and your toes start tingling a little bit. That's the best part about it. Never done drugs. That's the closest I've ever come, and I'll maybe see, see why they like it so much, you know. Man, my wife will say, I got your dentist appointment, and time will be getting close. She'll say, don't forget, today you got a dentist appointment. And I'm like, ah, I'm just kind of busy right now. Call them and cancel. I don't know, I don't know what it is. But I'll find somebody to go visit instead of going to the dentist office. But I'm not getting out of the appointment. When I'll stand before God and give an account for his will. That's why he says, be ye not unwise. He says, don't be a fool. What did the fool do? Well, the fool was preoccupied with his will. He has no delight in understanding. I don't, I don't, I don't have time to receive your will because I'm too busy seeking out my heart and itself. Can I tell you tonight, be careful. Don't be foolish. Don't be preoccupied with your will that you neglect God's. But then don't be like the other fool. The other fool knows what's ahead, and yet he does not make it a priority in his life. He's ignoring what he knows. Don't be a fool. When it comes to the will of God, be ye not unwise. Don't be foolish and ignore the things that you know according to the will of God. Because let me tell you, God's not going to forget, forget between here and there. He knows. And he's going to let me know. And it's got to become a priority of mine that... I don't hear one day, thou fool. We invested in this life and what it had to offer to build bigger and better and to have more, and we had the mindset of a fool. So tonight, here is the message. By the way, that was just point number one, and it's already 8.03, and I'm not going to cram two more points into the rest of your evening because I want you to look forward to the conclusion of it, okay? So I think it'd be in the will of God to cut it off right there, but here's what I want you to understand. You like how he segued into that? Here's what I want you to understand. If we're going to be engaged, it simply means finding, functioning, and fulfilling the will of God. Remember, we as a church cannot vote that in. Okay? We can't vote that in. The votes that are cast to do the will of God is the individual decisions that you make to find, to function in, and to fulfill the will of God for your life. You are a part that needs to make increase, but only you can decide to do your job. And the way you do your job is by first finding it. 
And that's by going to God and say, what would you have me do? And he will let you know. But then I don't walk out of this place like a fool. Don't walk out of here preoccupied with your will. Don't walk out of here ignoring the will of God you already know. And don't walk out of here tonight not making the will of God a priority. It's got to be a priority to know the will of God as a husband, as a dad, as a wife, as a mom, as a brother, as a sister. Listen, as a church member, you must know the will of God. Why? Because you're going to give an account for it. And that shouldn't, listen, that's not the motivation tonight. The motivation would be to see what God could do if we just sold out to what he desired for us individually and collectively as a church tonight. God's got a will. He wants you to know it. The question is, do you want it, as we sang just a moment ago, to have it? I'd rather have Jesus. Would you rather have his will? I'll promise you we can see God do things in this church this year that even your heart couldn't dream of if we just found our place and fulfilled our purpose. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I give you an idea tonight on how God may desire to work in your heart?